Welcome to the LA Realtor Podcast. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah Lehman. And we're getting to know the industry one conversation at a time. Hey, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining us. I have John here as my co-host. Hello. Hello. How you been? I'm good. Since How are last, you? Since last week, I saw uh, you. A whole week ago. So you, uh, you're gonna, you're off the rest of the week, aren't you? I am taking off tomorrow morning. Where are you going? I'm going to Colorado. Uh-huh. For? Well, my sister is having a wedding. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very excited. It's uh, she's always told me about these events that she had gone to, uh-huh. but I don't have any friends who are, I'll say, cool enough to do this. She is renting out a full summer camp for the weekend, and normally you would think a wedding is, uh, you know, you you couple go. Hours. It's a couple hours. Yeah. There's a ceremony. People are crying. And then they go you, home. you eat some food and you dance to the cha-cha slide and you go home. Yeah. But no, there's going to be arts and crafts there. I'm excited. There's gonna be a rock climbing wall. Someone is going to be teaching yoga and meditation. This is like a four day wedding. It's a four day wedding. I think there's people that have four day weddings. I believe they're called East Indians. Right. They go on and on with their weddings. But my sister is not Indian. <laughs> yeah. But. Look, what, I, what I've come to understand in my short years is that a good, strong wedding really lays a good foundation for a good needs, marriage. It needs a good foundation. Yeah. Oh, I think that's my cue to introduce our guest on an interesting topic. So our guest today, John, is Kyle Torger, and he is the executive VP at Alpha Structural. They're one of the bigger companies around town here in SoCal that do uh, foundation and structural work. So uh, welcome to the show, Kyle. Thank you, gentlemen. Great to be with you. You didn't get married at a, at a campsite, did you? No. <laughs> I got married in the front yard. Not as, uh, not as fun. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how normal people do. <laughs> right. Anyways, <laughs> that's how normal people do. All right. Well, uh, okay, so I'm familiar with Alpha Structural. I bet a lot of agents also are familiar with Alpha Structural. There's a couple of, certainly a handful of uh, foundation companies uh, around town, but, but, but you're one of the, uh, uh, the bigger shops. Tell us, I guess, tell us a little bit about your company, how long it's been around, and what you guys do. Well, thanks, Paul. The, uh, we've been in business, incorporated, uh, and under the same license for 30 years, actually, as of this year. So three decades in business as a, uh, a specialized engineering and construction outfit. Uh, we only work on existing buildings. We only deal with existing slope conditions or existing buildings. We're not your average general contractor. We, we basically specialize in repairing or modifying existing buildings. And that, that goes from a single family, 500 square foot, single family craftsman bungalow, all the way up to 12, 15 story high rise art deco buildings in downtown LA, anything in between any terrain, coastal swamp, cliffside, hillside <laughs> flats, doesn't matter. Any terrain, any building, we, we specialize in it when it comes to structural or soil related work. Wow. And I understand this is a family business. That's that right. right. Yeah. We started out uh, as a tiny, tiny little shop. And now we have two successful offices and uh, about 170 employees. 
Wow. Well, you may not know, you probably don't know, but Paul's my uncle. Well, this is a family business as well. I have some things to say about it, but I'm curious (laughs) from your perspective, what's it like working with being a part of such a strong family business like that? Well, it's, it's nice. We have a very, our work culture is one of the most important things to us as a business is having a very, very healthy work culture. I have a very good relationship with my father, my sister, and my mother. We all run the the company and we really try to pass that on to the whole company. So we have a very, just a very fun kind of playful work environment. We have a, a, a big office. There's a lot of art on the walls. Everybody likes each other. People joke, people have fun for such an intense industry, a high risk, kind of high liability type of work where you're dealing with buildings that are collapsing and landslides that are active. You know, things can get intense from time to time, but everybody that comes through here that that works here or interviews here, a lot of people want to work here. They all say the same thing about the work culture and, and how awesome it is here. So we're lucky to, to have built that. And we're, we're lucky to have, have everyone here that kind of contributes to that work culture. What I like about your firm is you guys cover a lot of different, like you said, a lot of different types of conditions and foundations. You guys don't seem to shy away from it. As a matter of fact, John, I, was, I, I think I was going to share with you that um, uh, Alpha Structural did some project for me in the past. And I, I had no idea that this was fixable or how it was fixable, but they pretty much, it was a single story house, but you guys jacked up more or less the entire house, tore out parts of the uh, slab foundation, maybe even the footings, I can't remember. And then brought it back down and, and leveled it all out. That, I mean, to me, that's a significant job. Maybe you guys do that every day. But it makes me think like there aren't too many conditions that aren't fixable. Is, is, that, is that true? Most things you can fix? Absolutely. So one of, the, one of the, the scary things about the real estate market and how properties are bought and sold is that depending on who you talk to, sometimes people convey that things are not they're not fixable. They're not repairable. It's a tear down. It's, it's a total, it's a total loss, right? That almost mm-hmm. never happens when we come on to the job. There, there are almost, almost no scenarios where something is truly a total loss. So oftentimes we're able to, to save a lot of real estate deals. Also, when you're exposed to this so often, a bad issue to someone else, you know, made, it's just another issue. Sure, it might cost right. a lot, but when you have people that, that don't do this all the time, they tend to be more alarmist in this field. And that's something that really scares people. We deal with it all the time. So there are only a few scenarios where you have a real total loss situation. Yeah, I remember, gosh, when I, when I, before I was in this industry, I think it was even John's parents were buying a, a house and there was a crack in the garage slab and they were freaked out. Like the house has <laughs> fallen down. And now it's kind of a joke because it's like, yeah, unreinforced slab or barely reinforced slab in the garage. You know, yeah, it cracks. So, you know, that, that's what happens. That's right. Now, what? To, let's talk about, let's bring this to realtors. As I think as a realtor, you, you're you going to get your visual inspection and whatnot, your general inspection, but you, you'll see a few things, right? Maybe you'll feel a sloping floor Maybe you'll see a stair step crack in the drywall. Talk to us about what a realtor should be looking for when they, in order to think about bringing on a, an inspector or a company like you guys and what they should be thinking about. 
Yeah, it's a great, great question. There are so many things that that can be used as tools for realtors specifically. You know, one thing that realtors have to know about Southern California, the Southern California real estate market is that most of the houses built here were built between the 1920s and the 1970s, right? Um, almost any older home is going to have some degree of sloping floors, some hairline cracking that shows up in the drywall or the ceiling. So especially as, as you know, more people move in from out of state that aren't particularly used to properties that have adverse soil conditions or dealing with earthquakes, you have a much touchier buyer pool year after year moving into the present because so many people are moving in from out of, out of state, right? I would say one of the biggest things a realtor can look for are floors that are visibly sloping where to their eye doesn't seem right, right? You can always look at it, look, you know, walk into a home and maybe see a little dip in the floor and you go, okay, it's a dip in the floor, right? But when you walk into a house and you see the floor is sloping from right to left and you, you know, get a, a little bit of a vertigo feeling or you drop your, your flashlight or your lipstick on the floor and it starts rolling away, <laughs> right? Usually your yeah. alarm bells will go off. That's, that's generally in situations like that where the floors really slope in, in a pronounced way, you can tell, okay, I should probably get this checked out. Or big yeah. cracks in the drywall, big cracks in the ceiling, you know, where you know, these cracks are quarter of an inch or more or an eighth of an inch at least or more where you'll see voids in the, the walls or ceilings. If you have hairline cracks, probably not an issue. But if you see cracks in the drywall that are eighth of an inch, quarter of an inch or more, that's usually indicative yeah. of something that may be going on. And correct me if I'm wrong, that means settlement, differential settlement. One house, side of the house is settling more than the other, and there's some kind of separation or the floor is sloping to the left or to the right. That's right. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, like, Presumably the foundation is, it's doing its thing, but the soil underneath it, maybe there's some erosion, some drainage issues, it, it, it's settling down. So is the repair for, that's a common condition, I presume, right? You guys see it all the time. Is the fix for that just to get under there and put in a hardier foundation, deeper, essentially? Yeah, so it depends on what the condition is. One of the things that we often evaluate is in Southern California, you know, you have a lot of sort of basin areas that are in, in a valley, right, where the silty soil over millions of years is kind of collected at the lowest elevation of these valley areas, right? And that creates a scenario where you could be in the flats and have, you know, cracks showing up and, and floors that are sloping. So one of the things that we're isolating when we evaluate a property is, is this a hillside area or is this a graded lot? that, you know, was graded, let's say in the 1950s, where they brought in massive amounts of soil and they cut the tops of mountains off and reconfigured all the soil to make these big level neighborhoods up in hillside areas, right? Or are we just in the flats of, let's say, the San Fernando Valley or Torrance or flats of Hollywood or all the way down to, you know, Orange and Santa Ana, right? There's a lot of clay around here. So you can have an inspector that really usually either a realtor or a general inspector or an appraiser that tells you, hey, you've got major, you got major problems here. I don't know if this loan's going to fund or I don't know if this is going to appraise because you got foundation problems. And you're just in the flats of the San Fernando Valley and you have clay that 
has been kind of causing the foundation to sort of move up and down over the last four decades. And, you know, the seller just never did a nice remodel since, since they did their first remodel 30 years ago, right? That's our job yeah. to really convey what the source is. Whereas you know, if you're up in, let's say, Sherman Oaks, right, or Woodland Hills, and you're in, in a track development that was graded, mass graded in 1962, right? And they brought in hundreds of thousands of yards of dirt. And they just spread it all around. They didn't compact it. And they built, you know, 75 houses. And all of a sudden, this house is 10 <laughs> inches out of level. That's obviously a much different yeah. scenario than, than the house, you know, that's showing some cracking in the, in the flats of the San Fernando Valley. So the repairs are totally different. Sometimes in, in the San Fernando Valley, it's, hey, look, you have pretty poor drainage here. Water is ponding at the foundation when you irrigate in the morning and the San Fernando Valley gets hot oftentimes, what's happening is your the soil, the clay is swelling because of your irrigation system and then it shuts off at 6 a.m. and then eight hours later, it's baking hot and the, the, mm-hmm. the clay is shrinking, right? So you need to control your yeah. irrigation yeah. more. Sometimes our recommendations are that simple or putting rain gutters on and and tying them into rain barrels, right? Then you can go all the way up into the hills, into Woodland Hills or Calabasas or Thousand Oaks or Rolling Hills Estates, San Clemente, all these hillside areas that were graded in, in, you know, the 1950s and 60s and 70s. And you could have 75 foot deep caissons and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of repairs. So there's a very wide spectrum of isolating what the issue is and how to fix it, right? And being able to, to understand that and know what that is and not convey this real alarmist approach that a lot of inspectors take is very, very important. But what you don't, John, what you don't want to hear if you're a homeowner is the word caissons or piles. <laughs> Sounds expensive. That, that, that equals much. You, if you have cash to burn, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, the C&D words but, but, are bad but, words to, in real estate. <laughs> but to your point, Kyle, it, what percentage, like most things can get fixed without a six-figure repair, right? Is that It's a pretty small percentage that need that kind of aggressive work. Yeah, so you'll find that the six-figure repairs are in the graded neighborhoods that were graded between right. the 40s and the, the early 70s, right? So... If you're in specific hillside areas that have been graded from, let's say, 1920 to 1970, those have a much higher likelihood of having foundation issues. Whereas, you know, if they're newer graded developments, those have a much lower chance of of foundation issues or kind of the the lower rolling hills areas, the foothills, you know, where there's a lot of bedrock or the flats. Those vast majority of homes don't have six-figure foundation problems. Kyle, earlier you mentioned if it's just hairline little cracks in the walls, not a problem. Don't worry about it. But obviously, you probably want to, a homeowner would want to take care of a problem before it becomes a six-figure repair. So what would you say is a sweet spot? What telltale signs are early indicators that they should bring some professional help in? So it's a great question. So we typically, for homeowners, understanding where your house is located and what your house is built on, right? If you're in the flats, right, you can, in most scenarios, be rest assured that you're built on probably native soil that has accumulated over many, many millions of years, just native clay soil, or maybe 
know, some very lightly graded soil that you're not going to experience a lot of settlement issues with, right? But if you're in in a hillside area, most most hillside neighborhoods are not native lots. They've been completely reconfigured through mechanical means, giant bulldozers and tractors that went and just bulldozed the entire the entire mountainside back in the 50s, right? So understanding where your house is located and what the kind of grading history is, that's very, very important because, I mean, we have, we, we'll go to some houses and we know the area very well. And we know that, you know, this, this is a very notorious landslide zone where you have active landslides all over the place here and deep landslides, right? And you could have a homeowner that has no idea. I mean, we've been to houses where we did million-dollar landslide repairs three doors down, and they, they, they have no idea what's underground. <laughs> and so wow. they, you know, they finally call after a giant crack shows up after, you know, heavy rain. And sometimes it's just, it's too late. The, the landslide has, has now been triggered on that portion of the slope. And, and it's a very, very expensive issue to fix. So knowing where you are, that's the first step is, are you in the flats or are you in the hillside areas? If you can separate those two, then you can know, okay, I need to be more mindful of drainage in hillside areas. Maybe I shouldn't have my sprinklers running three times a day. Leaving the hose on, not a great idea. Yes, that peach tree that you want to start yielding fruit next year, that would be great, <laughs> but it's not worth triggering a landslide over. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. Right. Plus, look, we're, we're in a drought. You shouldn't be watering that yeah. much right. anyway, right? Come on. This is California. Yeah. John, I, I know very little about, just a little enough to be dangerous about soils and, and, and foundations, but I, I know I remember learning, like, you want to reach bedrock. You want your house to, your foundations to, Correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, to reach bedrock. So if you're like 70 feet from bedrock, that gets expensive. That's when you get into the piles. But if mm. you're like, I don't know if that's even, if it even happens, but if you're only 10 feet from bedrock and you just need to get your foundation into bedrock, like then you're quote unquote rock solid. Literally. Right. That's yeah. the goal. I mean, the goal is bedrock. I mean, even, you know, 10 feet bedrock. to bed, bedrock depends on if, if the soil is bad or good. You know, one of the biggest menaces to to homes in in southern california are fill or cut fill lots where the material the soil that the house is built on is soil that's imported from somewhere else and isn't compacted correctly so if you have 10 feet of fill then that that's a bad situation you're going to need piles but if you have let's say 10 feet of Mm -hmm. native soil that isn't prone to moving or 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 what's called creep which means moving laterally you don't necessarily need to have the foundation in bedrock, but in hillside areas, bedrock, that's where you want to be. If you have a two foot foundation in bedrock or a 75 foot deep foundation in bedrock, you want to be in bedrock, <laughs> ideally. Bedrock. That's right. that's, that's the it. bedrock of, of that's good right. soil. Hey, uh, Kyle, I know you're a young man, but uh, maybe your family was in the business. It's been a while, but when we had a major earthquake here in LA, what, what happened to foundations in general? Maybe that's a big question, but but do you have any information on how that went? Because we're going to have an earthquake eventually again, right? Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've fixed thousands of buildings and my father fixed many, many, many thousands of buildings as well. So it's kind of a generational trade that, that we've been involved in here. One of the biggest, I would say one of the biggest sources of damage 
from earthquake damage in the Northridge quake were uh, mm-hmm. single family dwellings with what are called cripple walls. They're short wood framed walls that are built on top of the foundation that then the floor of the house is, is built on and ultimately the walls and roof, right? So most people, when you think of a foundation, you think of this concrete foundation that the house is built on, right? Well, not particularly. In LA, we have a lot of houses that are, that are built in the turn of the century, all the way up through the 50s. And there were cripple walls, a very specific foundation design where half of the foundation's concrete, half of it's a short little wood framed wall. So those tend to wow. have kind of a domino effect. They're, it's a wood frame wall. So you imagine these little studs, these wooden studs, right? If these aren't reinforced, most of which were not, they, when you have lateral movement, they basically act in the same way as knocking down dominoes, right? So when Northridge wow. happened, a lot of particularly craftsmen homes, a lot of craftsmen's and a lot of kind of mid-century cookie cutter, either ranch styles or just regular mid-centuries, literally just fell off their foundations because they, they moved laterally with these little domino type walls and they just fell over maybe two to four feet off the foundation, but they came off wow. and they came down, you know, two or three feet vertically too. So oh. cripple walls, Triple wall damage and failure was probably the, the biggest issue for single family dwellings. And then, of course, uh, slab damage. A lot of the houses that were built in the 70s were pretty thin slab foundations, especially in the valley, the foothills of Woodland Hills, Calabasas, Thousand Oaks, Simi Valley. So a lot of there was a lot of foundation damage where the slabs just kind of broke and shifted and the house is settled because the ground movement was so aggressive, right? Most of the houses fared rather well during and after the Northridge quake, the Silmar quake, but certain pockets just got absolutely hammered with these two types of foundations. Then, of course, commercial really took a beating. Commercial buildings in the valley and then along the coast in Santa Monica area really, really were hit hard uh, after Northridge. Are those two kinds, the residential kind of issues after, uh, that you described after an earthquake, were those repairable? Those sound like pretty big repair. Well, at least the first one sounds like pretty big repair. Yeah, so long. when you have a building that essentially collapses off of its foundations, depending on how bad the damage is, some of those situations are total loss scenarios. However, you'd be shocked. Some of the things that we fixed uh, are pretty remarkable where buildings partially collapsed off their foundations and we were able to actually Mm. recalibrate and reposition the building back upward and then rebuild the foundation, anchor everything down and and are able to salvage it. You know, one of the things that really happened in the Northridge quake, and I remember my father telling me many stories are kind of predatory scenarios where the building department would red tag everything. So they'd come along and just, you know, red tag an entire block just because there were visible cracks on the building, right? Most of those were salvageable. And, you know, some some people sold their their buildings for pennies on the dollar just because of of a of city red tag when it wasn't necessarily uninhabitable. It just needed to be fixed, right? So most things can be fixed and, and you'd be shocked at, at how bad wow. it can get, but it can still be fixed. 
It's fascinating. I wanted to change gears real quick. Kyle, I did some research online and I learned that you are a self-proclaimed arachnid specialist. <laughs> I don't know about self-proclaimed. I think I've been dubbed that from various media outlets that have interviewed me over the years. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've had um, all sorts of encounters with just about every every creature imaginable underneath a building. So you're not afraid of spiders? No, not it. at all. In fact, we have, we're rather superstitious here at Alpha. We we will, you know, we'll go after the black widows and the brown recluses, but if it's anything else, we we're real nice to them. Any, any spiders, any bugs, we don't want any bad energy or bad vibes from, from the creatures that we interact with so often. So it's kind of an unofficial rule. It's like, leave, leave all the spiders alone. As, if, as long as it's not a black widow or a brown recluse, or hopefully not some sort of imported exotic venomous spider that we don't know about uh just leave them alone and move on your way i mean they they're good they do good things oh yeah no i mean as as long as they're not deadly they're beneficial you know i mean i've i've crawled under buildings where i mean it was like thousands of spiders and they were just regular spiders and they just it was a full-blown infestation and you're (gasps) you get tingling at the back of your neck and you're you know you get goosebumps (laughs) because you don't know what they're going to do but you just kind of creep around and i don't want to say tiptoe because you're on all all fours and on your stomach crawling but you know you just let them do their thing but i've i mean i've been stuck under houses where i mean i've had black widow webs and nests all over the place i mean that that can get that can get pretty creepy I've got goosebumps with just you talking about it. I'm Kyle, sweating. Kyle, you got a glamorous job, my friend. I, I think a lot of people would trade places with you. <laughs> Lucky me, huh? <laughs> Look, you, you've been you've been in the industry for what I understand to be most of your That's life, right. right? And now now you're working with the family again, I believe, and you've been doing it for so long. What keeps you around? What do you love about well, it? Well, one of the things. With all the spiders, I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've got, I mean, spiders are, that's the boring part of what we've seen under buildings. We can save that for, for another time if you want. But I would say probably the most, I would say the most cherishing thing about this job that I could say is the people that I work with are amazing. I work with the best team I could ask for here. It's a big team. There's so many different types of people with different personalities. And they just bring so many different skills and traits that you really, unless you were in an industry like this where you had such a melting pot, you wouldn't be able to 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 work with so many different people. So our team here really makes it fun to to be in this this industry. But also everyone else that we work with, there's nothing there's nothing redundant about this job, even though it's a redundant type of work that we do. Every job is different. You never know what you're going to see. You might go see a house that's perfectly fine and give somebody the best news of their life, one, one appointment. And then the next appointment, you might see the worst landslide you've seen in your career yet, staring down a chasm that's, you know, 50 feet deep that goes, you know, 800 feet down the slope. You meet all sorts of different people from working class people, plumbers, electricians that are your clients to a-list celebrities, and we have everybody in between that you can imagine. You just never know who you're going to meet, what they're going to be like, and what you're going to see. And that's one of the most refreshing things about doing this is that 
nothing ever gets boring. You work with great people. You have great people as clients. Everybody's different. And everything that you work on is different. And that, I think, if, if you could ask anybody what they'd want in a career, it's something that isn't boring and redundant. And that, that we're lucky to have. I love that. I, I'm so glad that you mentioned uh, the variety of things you come across because I read about the Reddit page that you guys maintain. I think it's things seen this week during structural yeah. assessments. <laughs> that is so unique. And I'm so glad that, you, that that's happening because I was wondering the same thing. I'm like, you guys must see some crazy stuff. You must have thousands and thousands of funky photos of whatever you end up finding down there, kind of what was the story behind that? And what does it mean to you guys? Oh, yeah. Well, our, our marketing team and PR team here are brilliant. They, they're, you only, if you think about it, people are only exposed to the sort of structural repair field if they're buying or selling a home or if they mm -hmm. occupy a property that has potential issues, right? So it's a very kind of insulated industry that not many people are exposed to, right? But if you think about it, it's some of the weirdest, creepiest stuff you can you can imagine finding, <laughs> you know, shrines underneath homes of, you know, weird dolls with, I mean, you name it, we've seen it, right? So <laughs> it's just, it's so creepy and it's so fascinating to people that our marketing team, they started the Reddit page, they started the Imager page. I mean, the Imager goes viral, I think. I don't know, I think at least a couple times a month. I mean, people want to see this stuff, whether it's, it's weird things found under houses. The stuff that we post on Reddit isn't even the crazy stuff that we see. I mean, we've seen <laughs> dead bodies, skulls, all sorts of crazy stuff. And, and obviously, we're not going to take pictures of that kind of stuff and, and, <laughs> you know, and let alone post it, right? But um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it just... Every, every week we, we either find kind of hazardous issues that, you know, under the house and just visibly crooked load bearing components or foundations that are just ripped in half or landslides to finding, like I said, weird kind of cultish shrines under, under houses or old Nazi memorabilia just that had been sitting there wow. for, for decades or weapons. <laughs> animals that are unidentifiable that you didn't know existed <laughs> in LA. I mean, just anything you can think of, we've, we've seen it. So can you let us know when you find dinosaur remains? Oh, that I would think actually uh, one job we tooth. did find what appeared to be dinosaur remains. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, I'm, I, you're exactly right. Because Paul and I, uh, we work with general contractors and as much as we post photos of a beautiful new kitchen or a new ADU that was just built in someone's backyard, those do okay. But whenever we post about contractor fails, when the door doesn't open because the toilet's in the way <laughs> or the, the drawer doesn't open because another drawer is drop, uh, blocking it, that's what people want to see. That's right. the fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Right. No, everybody wants to see the, the fun stuff. So the, you know, it, it, it's, it's really, you can't beat it because it gives you a glimpse into something, you know, for most people that they will never see ever. I mean, who's going to crawl under their right. house, especially if nobody's crawled under that house for 50 years. It's like not, not happening. So I think it fascinates a lot of people because of what most people realize they're never going to, they're never going to look under their house. They're never going to crawl under their house. 
Well, look, I, I don't mind getting a little bit dirty, a little bit dusty, a little bit muddy. I'm cool with that. But hey, I commend you and your team for that, not just being willing to, but the enthusiasm with which you guys are willing to crawl under these spaces that are not really meant to be are, crawled. Are in. you covered, Kyle? Are you like bunny suit covered? Yeah. You got- yeah, we wear we wear coveralls, okay. our basic okay. PPE. We wear a respirator, hat, okay. gloves. We obviously all wear boots. Okay. So, I mean, it's a dirty job. Yeah. Some, some, you know, we've seen other inspectors. They suit up in that white kind of hazmat suit. Mm-hmm. This is a dirty job. We're we're builders. You know, we're engineers, but we're also builders. And you know, we've been living under these buildings for decades. So. You know, when you right. crawl out from under a house, you have your coveralls on, all the dirt gets through your coveralls. It's just part of the job. <laughs> right. Well, look, let me ask you this. It's 2023. I can will almost anything into existence with chat GPT now. How far do you think we are technologically from the day that people don't need to be crawling down there? Are you guys working on some super secret R&D of robots <laughs> that can crawl under the homes for you? What's next? So it's a great question. We, we're a pretty innovative and advanced company in our engineering and our forensics that we do to evaluate the performance of buildings. But one thing that will always be a very old school element of what we do are foundation and structural assessments. Our construction and engineering experts will always look at the building. There are other companies and other inspectors that send robots and and remote control cars with cameras, but here's the thing. Those we've it's had it's happened numerous times where we've crawled under after those inspections were performed and have caught many many issues that were missed by wow. by the robots. So we're not worried about ChatGPT and we're not worried about about uh, <laughs> about RC remote controlled inspection bots because you just can't you can't replace experience you can't mm-hmm. replace knowledge of of what you've seen and what you fixed where to look and a, you know robot also can't turn its head like a human either so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so for the time being Kyle's going to be uh, friendly with the spiders friendly with the spiders. Well, uh, thank you. This is uh, this has been really interesting. I think it's a uh, you guys are a great resource here around town for agents and homeowners that need you. And I think uh, people can take solace in the fact that like foundations don't need to be a deal breaker. You can still make a deal if if, if there's a foundation issue. Call Kyle. Call Alpha Structural, and um, it's usually fixable. That's right. So uh, we appreciate. We appreciate that. A broken foundation is not a deal breaker. Ah, well, that's like one of the it. things. It's it's we sometimes we say, you know, look, we can be the angel of a deal or the grim reaper. Yeah. Um, it, it's we're we'll <laughs> yeah. always just be upfront of what the issue is, what the repair options are, and we can get pretty crafty because we not only build these repairs, but we also specialize in engineering them, right? And we know the cities. We know all the cities across Southern California. So we know what can be approved, what, what doesn't work, what works. The biggest thing with, with foundation issues is that if you convey the issue correctly to a buyer or seller and you take out the emotion in it, that's one of the most important factors in real estate transactions are inspectors that introduce an emotional element and 
scare the buyer or scare the seller and say, you know, oh my goodness, this, sure. this house is going to collapse. We see the worst properties hands down out of anybody in the city. We have 10 people full-time inspecting buildings every day. We have 28 wow. construction crews working on buildings every day, all day, all year round, right? The, yep. It's not anything can be fixed and it doesn't necessarily have to be scary. The only time it gets scary is when you have a big active landslide and you haven't moved out yet. And that's a very rare scenario. <laughs> so, and we'll tell you if that's the case. So that, that's a big deal is just not being an alarmist and not being emotional about what you're telling the, the buyer and the seller. You just give them the facts, tell them what the options are and that it can be fixed. If you're in that small yep. percentile of houses where it can't be fixed, you're probably not even going to be in the house telling the people that you're going to be on the sidewalk. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you, Kyle. That was a, a great conversation and hopefully our uh, listeners found it as, uh, as interesting as we did. So thanks for coming on with us, man. Thank you guys. Great chatting with you. All thanks, right. Kyle. We'll see you next time. All righty. Adios. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah Lehman. And if you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. If you'd like to get in touch, please email us at larealtorpod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.